Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Close and clean, we are live, Aaron. Oh my gosh, are you ready for this? I am ready. Good, well, welcome. Just the days. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a pleasure to have you. We are actually slip mates. We share the same little finger pier. You guys moved over here, what, like a week ago? Yeah, a week or so ago. And you know, I heard good things about you uh, before you I weren't, met you. You weren't worried, huh? No, no. I was like, hey, that's that guy that's been around the world. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So pretty cool. <laughs> well, uh, I guess I, I always like whenever I get to interview a fellow sailor, I like to figure out exactly what they're sailing on. So what'd you okay. pull up here uh, uh, to the slip on? We have a 1998 Hunter 340, which is a production boat. Uh, some people hate them. Some people love them. Um, they're not really meant for offshore sailing, but you know, for our purposes, you know, we're just doing some, you know, coastal cruising anyway. So it kind of, you know, has a good balance of what we want. So right. it's a uh, very liveaboard, you know, very friendly, huge bed, which is great for me because I'm six four. Um, yeah, and that that definitely makes a big difference. You know, when when you are taller. I, I've been on when when Jess left on her little Contessa twenty eight. Right, I, you can't stand up in it. Like, think yeah. about living in a boat where you can't actually even just stand up straight. To yeah, me, that's crazy. Um, and you know, taking a shower is a big thing too. Um, even in our you know aft head, it, there's tons of room. I can actually stand up in my my head and take a shower if I want to. And there's a sit down spot too. But yeah, it's it's great. Like you know, live aboard is great. And you know, we don't really sail it as much as we do live on it so that was kind of one of those you know uh trade-offs you have to think about whenever you're purchasing a boat right right well and how how long have you had it we've had our boat since april and zero sailing experience before that wow absolutely zero just took the plunge literally nice man yeah yeah you know some of that was some of that was kind of inspired by a lot of youtubers and stuff yeah um but i really attribute it to the fact that whenever we lived in hawaii we would actually go down to um, the uh, pier down there, Ala Moana Pier, and I actually bought a scooter, which I still have in the V-berth of my uh, boat. I know. I'm waiting for you to crack that out. Yeah, so go it's for in a pieces. Little, you know, it's <laughs> midnight a ruckus that tears down real easy. But anyways, this guy, you know, he was a pro surfer kind of guy, and he just had you know the coolest lifestyle, in my opinion. He surfed all day, rode a scooter to the beach. I was like, that's really cool. And at the time, you know, we're spending bukus of money for, you know, a cinder block cave. <laughs> right, right. You know, on the island. And, you know, he's telling me he's spending, you know, hundreds instead of thousands of dollars you well, know, what, what, for rent. What made you move out to Hawaii? Uh, Carrie actually lived, or she took a vacation out there one time uh, with her school. Uh-huh. Or I guess it's not vacation. I guess it's more of a uh, school trip. But right. Uh, she fell in love with it. You know, I was like, okay, well, let's see how we can make something work out there so that we can have some kind of sustainability. Yeah. Um, so we were putting together a moped rental company. Uh, we had all of our ducks in the row and just were kind of broadsided by, you know, both of our parents' health declining. Yeah. So we kind of had to give that up. Was um, that once you got out there? Yeah. And we were out there for a while, you know, kind of setting things up and looking for properties, which... 
if you've ever lived in Hawaii, you know, you know that there's a lot of bureaucracy as far as, you know, being able to set up business license and being able to have anything. It's, it's very much on a, a who you know kind of thing. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, being outsiders to, you know, locals there, you know, as much as we want to consider ourselves what they call uh, Kamaayana, Kama, Kamaaina, sorry, mispronounced that. Um, what does that mean? That means of the land, basically. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Wow. And then they have, um, they have you know people that are actually from Hawaii. Uh, they're called uh, Kanaka, and uh, but we're not actually either of those. So it was, it was one of those things. You know, they kind of you know keep you down a little bit. But you know, we we were making something that was going to be pretty pretty revolutionary to the travel industry. What was the well? So what was the game plan? <laughs> now this is so well, interesting because <clears throat> I mean it also it makes me not even question you know a lot of people I, I it's my big question is whether why they decided to sort of move on from normal life and buy a boat but it sounds like you've already been trying to i mean just to move to a place like hawaii or something like that and uh and go for it that's pretty crazy man so yeah what was the what was the pitch what was what the was game the pitch? Plan? um so we had the mopeds and you know we were gonna sell them or rent them out very cheaply but also we had um a plan set up so that we had an app going that would um, kind of be like a choose your own adventure kind of thing. And if someone else wants to do this, you're more than welcome to it because nice. we're, we're not going to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's or right. We you have a, a lot of like coding experience and stuff like that, right? Yeah, a little yeah. bit. I mean, I, I, enough to get myself in trouble, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> this kind of thing wasn't really too, too difficult. It was just more or less just trading um, uh, referrals for other businesses. So if you came out to Hawaii and you wanted to, you know, do something, but you weren't really sure what you wanted to do, we would kind of like a pre-list of things you want to do. So if you're a very active person, you wanted to go, you know, uh, hiking and yeah, that. hiking, or you wanted to do, you know, parasailing or something like that, you could, but we also had very, you know, very laid back things like, uh, you know, being able to go to different beaches and just hang your hammock. And then, you know, we partnered with this guy, uh, Hawaii hammock company to, uh, you know, possibly sell his hammocks as far as our tours. So you'd have a hammock and nice. then you know be able to hang up different beaches and stuff. And then if at the end of the day if you want to keep the hammock, you, you could just tack and just it on. It. Yeah, right. exactly. So Smart, it was more man. so than just you know the rentals, but yeah, this isn't sailing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. Hey, different topic. <laughs> it's, it's totally cool. I you know sailing is just what brings a lot of us together because we live in a marina and stuff. But yeah, no, it's been it's great all a life experience, man. Um, I mean, you've been sailing for you since you're 18 years old. That we said, yeah I, yeah, I sort of started late, I guess, for for a sailor's go. Oh know. yeah. Well, people that do it sort of <laughs> professionally, I I guess, and I don't even know if I'd consider myself like a professional. I mean, I used to do yacht deliveries and stuff. So I was a you know circumnavigating definitely puts you in that unprofessional state. <laughs> I guess maybe. Who I knows? think a lot of us have this you know innate kind of thing where we kind of doubt ourselves a little bit, um, but. You know, from an outside perspective, you know, a lot of people are looking up to you. And that's, that's you know, I mean, that, I have, you know, zero sale experience. You know, I started sailing when I was 36 and now I'm 37. <laughs> right, right. And I don't even have a full year under my belt, but, you know, I haven't even taken our boat offshore yet. Um, we've all done intercoastal stuff and just stuff in the Chesapeake, which has been great. And honestly, I love sailing. I hate, hate motoring. It's Me just too. Yeah. unnatural in a boat. To... Well, you got to hear how loud my engine was. Oh yeah, it, it runs smooth. 
Um, oh, she's smooth, but she's yeah. smooth at about what 110 decibels or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wah, 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 wah. I mean, trying to sleep when I have to run that thing is almost impossible. Yeah, so. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, diesels are you know just one of those things that you know most sailboats will have to have. I think they are trying to go into you know electric kind of sail drives and stuff, but. That may work good for day sailors because, you know, you have the ability to, you know, get out of the slip and out of into the uh, channel. But long distance sailing, uh, at least on the ICW or, you know, something that's you know motoring, you don't really have the range for it yet, which they may come up with a solution to that eventually. Well, but. you know, honestly, I, I think what what you'll start to probably see is an electric motor with, you know, big lithium ion batteries and then also a backup little generator that you can fire up that will charge it or just run the the thing so at least you go from having this big clunky diesel engine to being able to have because i mean you know uh they make all uh, generic and and like honda or whatever they all make those little 30 amp generators that that are pretty small they're not they're not exactly quiet i wouldn't say but maybe compared to a diesel they are yeah um and we actually had a generator given to us, um, but then someone else said that it wasn't a good idea to have it because it was just an external kind of, you know, household generator. It wasn't like a, I guess they called it a gin set for a boats kind of thing where yeah. they build them in kind of thing. And people were saying they wouldn't ground properly and stuff, so we, we didn't bother with it. But, you know, another idea maybe would be to have lithium batteries as your keel weight too. Right, right, I mean, right. That, that would be, you know, definitely a, you know, build a boat around it kind of thing, but. You could use Still. instead of lead, use the lithium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this this boat, you'd be able to have a pretty sizable bank. Yeah, because <laughs> it's a full length keel <laughs> for sure. Oh, I know. But then, I, yeah, I mean, I, and they used to. I mean, that was sort of a thing with older boats when they were building them, especially like ferro cement boats and things like that, where they'd they'd make the keel, but they'd also throw big chunks of chain or any any scrap metals if they couldn't readily get their hands on lead and stuff just to add more ballast down below yeah but, yeah that, that's pretty interesting and genius of you know older years or older generations how they did that oh yeah they're sailors they're i don't i never i never say that we're the most book smart people but we're fundamentally like we have good ideas yeah and <laughs> when i saw like how they used to do you know bottom work on these things where they would intentionally beach them yeah right and then, you know pull them to the side. i even saw somebody do that they fix a through hole in the slip and they just attached a uh uh a line to the mast and then actually intentionally healed over inside the slip just enough to get the through hole out of the water and then fix the through hole and let it loose. I I believe that's that's called careening a vessel. Careening. Okay. Yeah. When you, you heal it way, way over to expose one side. And they used to do that with old, you know, old tall ships and stuff like that. They'd, they'd heal them way over and then they could scrape one side and then they do it the other side. Cause you're all just waiting for the tide to go down. Yeah. Yeah to sort of help the whole process but yeah and the, the uh pirates i remember they used to do a thing called the uh what was it called uh keel scraping I, I keel hauling keel hauling yeah where yeah. so you'd you'd get you they would tie ropes to your a rope to your arms and then a rope to your feet and one each rope would go down either side of the boat and they'd throw you over the bow yeah, and you'd go underneath Drag the whole boat. That. Yeah, and I mean that would kill you. In, yeah, more or less instant, if it didn't, basically, because you you get be scraped by, <laughs> yeah, barnacles and all that sort of stuff. I mean that, yeah, that would be, 
That's gruesome stuff. Pretty bad. But they also, I mean, that's compared to some of the other, a lot of the pirates tried to have the most gruesome stories told about them so that they wouldn't have to fight. They could just roll up on a ship and be, they'd be like, oh my gosh, that's Edward Teach. Like, holy cow. Just give in, guys. Just give him whatever because he'll, you know, cut all our tongues out and, yeah. you know, <laughs> slit our, our, you know. I mean, some of the stuff is just so horrific that they would do. and Yeah, they led by fear. Instead yeah, of, exactly. Yeah, and I, I definitely, I, I wouldn't even want to be underneath my boat and it was just cleaned yesterday, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got, Chris came over and did it? Yeah, yeah. He uh, he said it wasn't that bad, which, you know, it was nice to me because the boat hadn't been out since August, but I did have an issue with my uh, anodes, zincs being missing from my prop shaft, which I got to figure that out because um, it happened last time, too, when I hauled it out. It didn't have uh, the anodes in there either. It only been in the water for a few months at that point. So Right, right. Well, and for the listeners, so all, all your boats, when, when you have – Basically, you have a, a stainless steel prop shaft and like a bronze prop, any anything metal that's that's coming out of your boat. If you don't have a zinc anode, which is um, basically a metal that will the salt water will eat away first, then it'll eat away at your prop or your prop shaft or even get all the way up into your engine. So it's a, a preventative thing where if you you put a little zinc anode on there, then that sort of starts to deteriorate first and then you replace it and it, it it saves the rest of the metal on the boat and so what aaron's got going on is every time he checks the bottom his zinc is gone already <laughs> yeah which, a little sacrificial piece of metal will keep you from spending thousands of dollars on a thousands. new sail drive and yeah and prop and stuff so but um that mystery you know, it's is always a project with a boat so that's why i found out you know we bought our boat turnkey ready yeah and even so like you know you have to just constantly stay up on maintenance and things that, you know, a lot of people just don't think about, um, you know, is your, uh, through holes in good condition. You know, yeah, that could I definitely am. sink your boat in a matter of 15 minutes if it goes out. There are, well, and that's, yeah, I mean, there, there is that idea, that romantic idea of you just buy this boat and then you have this ultimate freedom, but there is a reality there that that freedom is is definitely uh, capped at the fact that you need to properly maintain this thing to at least a certain point, um, or else basically it can sink. And you know, I mean, that's that's not something you have with a regular home somewhere. I mean, there obviously can be disasters and things like that, but you're not your house is not constantly teetering on the point of oh my gosh, it could actually just disappear. Yeah, and the ocean's formidable. I mean, it wants to sink your boat. Oh yeah, and it will. You know, all these boats on the water. You know, if every human disappear the next, you know, tomorrow, you know, over the course of you know, fifteen, thirty years, every single boat would just be at the bottom of it. Would just sink, because, yeah, you know, eventually. It's corrosive, right? Maybe not on a lake, possibly, because it doesn't have the, you know. Nastiness. Eventually, they'd yeah. all they'd all go down. They'd also okay. come. I mean, yeah, it is. You you're you're very right where you say the the ocean and water is. It's just. A corrosive it's it's kind of like you're putting this thing into this environment where the environment is just slowly eating it away mm-hmm. and that's why things like every year you got to haul your boat out you got to redo the bottom paint you got to check this that and the other thing and i don't know i mean it's 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 part of it and you get used to it for sure but if you don't consider that before you decide to make the leap over to living on the water then it can catch you a little off guard very true. Um, you know, a lot of things people don't tell you, too, when you buy a boat, 
is that once you buy your boat, unless you're willing to spend, you know, Buku's amount of money on, you know, people to maintain it for you, you got to be your own electrician, your own plumber, your own uh, mechanic. Yeah. Boat, oh, yeah. Because, you know, if not, these, what they call them, boat bucks is what I've heard so boat far. Bucks. Oh, boat bucks. Oh, there's a, there's a ton of them. There's like, you know, a boat is just a hole in the water you throw money into. Uh-huh. What's the acronym for boat is bring on bring another on thousand. thousand. Yeah. yeah. So boat bucks are generally known as like a thousand <laughs> bucks. Because <laughs> everything marine quality is just super expensive. And, yeah, it you know, is. The first time I went to West Marine. I was kind of like, holy crap, like... What have I done? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, everything's just, like, so expensive and, um, you know... But, you know, there does come a uh, quality with that, too. You know, yeah. You oh, can't yeah. go to Home Depot to buy, a, um, you know, the same stuff for your your through holes as you could go to, you know, West Marine. Because it has to be... Was it bronze, I believe, or brass? I can't remember the, which one it is. But I think, like, Lowe's and Home Depot sell brass fittings kind of thing. Yeah. Which... They're super. They're a lot cheaper. They're probably like half the price is what you would go to buy, you know, at a, a marine store. But they're they gonna, won't last as long. They maybe last you like you know two years before they're corroded from the inside out. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, and that's that's sort of the worst because you don't you don't realize it's happening. Yeah, it's coming from the inside of the valve. I mean, all, all that sort of stuff. There's there's definitely things where you can save a little money here and there. You know, when I go and purchase. Things like blue painter's tape and brushes and things like that. Yeah, obviously I'll go to uh, like a hardware store. But yeah, if it if it's fittings and things like that, you have to have stainless steel. It's got to be quality or else it's just going to start rusting out. Yeah, things that will sink your boat, uh, you don't skimp out on. No. Huh? That's definitely a, a no-no. And, you know, a lot of times people will think, okay, well, it's, it's working for now, but it's a lot of things are just ticking time bombs on boats. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to put it. It's so true. Uh, stainless steel clamps, you know, little things that are like normally like 99 cents for, you know, I guess whatever metal they make them for, for automotive purposes. And then you got the stainless steel ones. They're like, you know, three or four bucks. And you think, Oh, I'll skimp out on three bucks, you know, save myself some money. But no, you know, those things just... will crack on you and, you know. You're just messing yourself up later down the road. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, have you had any uh, any close calls? You know, I can't really say I've had any really close calls. Um, we went down the ICW and we've bumped the bottom before. Now our our boat only has a four point five draft, um, so it's not really something deep that you right. know, we have to really worry about. But and it's it's it, I'm assuming that's got to be a fin keel boat, right? Yo, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, a show kill. Okay. So I got that wing on the bottom, which oh, is kind of a blessing and fancy. a curse because, you know, if you get stuck on the mud, uh, uh, you, you know, get really keel. stuck. Yeah, exactly. You, you'll you have to wait till high tide to come out, and hopefully you didn't hit whatever you hit at high tide. <laughs> right. Because then you'll just have to call Cito or whomever. And that'll cost you a little bit of money. Yeah. You know, uh, anyone else that's out there is, you know, thinking about buying a boat definitely get boat insurance that has you know towing kind of built into it too uh we have i mean not to you know uh sponsor tow boat or not tow boat but uh boat us insurance but yeah most of their insurance plans comes with you know a plan where you know you can get towed up to three thousand dollars unlimitedly and you know they'll do some soft soft uh you know un getting stuck <laughs> yeah 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 well no it, it's it's true because if you i think if you call 
one of those companies to come and tow you off, you get in that situation, I think it's a minimum of $500. Yeah, at least. Because they, they don't, you know, charge you from the time they you they actually get to you. They charge you from the time that they leave their dock. Right. So, you know, depending on how close you are to one of these, you know, tow or uh, what, what's the other one? Uh, the I, yellow one? I, I'm not too sure. I know of one that the, Towboat US and Sea. There's a great one two, yeah. in the British Virgin Islands called Husky Salvage, and and we we've worked with those guys a few times when I was up there working at the Bitter End Yacht Club, mm-hmm. and their slogan was "Your Mayday is our payday." <laughs> <laughs> it's great. true. It's so true, though. I mean, you know, and they all they were really professional. I mean, they they the I remember there was one boat where these guys had gotten up on the reef. So we're trying to just get this thing off safely without any more extensive damage to the reef. And just watching this idiot captain try to argue with the guy from Husky Salvage, I'm just sitting there thinking, geez, bud, you already screwed this up royally. Why are you trying to argue and make yourself look like even more of a moron? I was just like, just do what he's saying. Yeah. And they were able to get him off pretty easily and stuff, but... I yeah. mean, it's understandable because a lot of times when people get in those situations, they're frustrated, they're angry at themselves, they're embarrassed. So mm-hmm. the I think the majority of people, their normal reaction is to start yelling at other people and trying to take their frustrations yeah, out, blame yeah. towards something else. I mean, the dude, you're on the reef. <laughs> Project blame elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. Like that reef, I don't know what it's thinking. Who put that reef there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man. So, yeah, you guys, did you guys have to get towed off when you bumped the bottom or no? No, no, it just bumped really quick and then, you know, kept on. I was like, holy crap, you know, that was the first time we ever bottomed. Because that's that's one of the first questions besides, how big is your boat, you know, that we get? Well, have you hit bottom yet? Well, you know, technically we have, but we didn't get stuck. Um, And we look at, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, the charts and stuff, too. Like, um, there's a lot of charts that will have, you know, the, uh, the shading yeah the bottom shading and it's almost like a live thing because they you can actually get other boaters will have you know a live stream of you know actual like sonar shading of the bottom so that you kind of know where you're getting into even if you don't have <laughs> at least, that sonar at least you 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 know it one second before you run aground you're yeah like, oh i think we're gonna uh, oh now we are aground yeah. i saw it coming <laughs> yeah exactly and well, there, there are some sketchy spots on you know ICW. Um, well, that's yeah. So that's the thing. And again, I always kind of remind people like I don't I don't have any experience on the ICW. I mean, I know I know what it is, and basically it's the channel coming down the East Coast. But I mean, there's shoaling and sandbars moving all the time because mm-hmm. back in the day when it was used as as sort of for shipping, they would really dredge it constantly and all stuff and i don't know in the last 30 years or whatever that they lost all their funding so oh did they it's dredged in certain places but i think back in the day it was dredged down to like 12 feet or something like that oh really and now i think it's maybe it's like six feet or i i probably am way off but this is what i sort of remember hearing from people as you know, as I was getting into the sailing industry. So that would have been back in like 2000. So 20 years ago. We did see. Uh, God, I'm old, man. Uh, <laughs> what? You're not that old. <laughs> 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I've told other people this, that, you know, I've I've kind of boosted you up to my friends and stuff. I was like, oh, my gosh, I know this guy that's been around the freaking world. 
But honestly, I mean, I feel well, like there's another lived... future letdown if I ever meet that guy. Great. Oh, whatever. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Aaron. Jeez, bud. <laughs> no, I mean, if I could live like a tenth of amount of life as you have, I'd be happy. And you know, people that I know back in you know Dallas and stuff, like you know, they probably think the same thing about me. They're like, you know, working their nine to fives and stuff, being stuck in a corporate environment, and you know, they're like, holy crap, you know, it's so cool you're able to experience you know all this stuff on a boat and stuff, and um, but then there's always levels. I mean, there's, you know, somebody will be at a certain level in their life that, you know, they haven't really felt like they've experienced life. And then, you know, here I am, you know, thinking I haven't really experienced as much life as you have. <laughs> right. Right. And then, yeah, I mean, and I could, I could just look at somebody who's like married with two kids and be like, wow, dude, that, that guy's really going for it. Yeah. <laughs> That's an adventure. I am not ready to take. Holy cow. But so it's a big circle, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing in life is to be happy. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. That's and and you know obviously, as long as it's not detrimental to people around you, then I say more power to you. Obviously, do whatever you can to to make yourself happy. And a lot of times that's 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 one of the hardest problems in itself is you know just finding something that actually makes you happy because a lot of times we think, you know, a house, car, kids, dogs, yeah, it's gonna make me happy, and then. It turns out to be just your ego that you're trying yeah. to feed this this idea. I I've actually, I don't know. It's it's been strange. I've been, oh, I forget who who keeps saying it. Let's say it's like Chris Hedges or something like that. Uh, who where he he's saying you know a lot of people are actually just trying to build this this stupid little monument to themselves during their lifetime where you know it's basically your ego. You're trying to feed your ego and. If you keep doing all these things and I, you know, anytime that I ever was trying to promote the book on social media or something like that, there was always this little bell that was going off in the back of my head. Like, wow, nice job there, ego. Good. Got to, got to show everybody your book, don't you? And I actually just recently pulled the plug on, on like Facebook and on Instagram. I just, I just, I I felt it more and more every time I was trying to do some sort of stupid self-promotion. I just felt worse and worse, and I kept hearing that that ego argument in my head. And social uh, media definitely is a self serving uh, outlet for people. And oh, without question, yeah, it's and people do things just for the clout. I think it's what they call it now. Um, so they'll do things, you know, things that are dangerous, things oh, that are. We you know, we gotta we gotta we'll we'll pause there for a second, but we'll keep the pie. Yeah. We're we're doing a uh, podcast down here. Oh, okay. Is that Scott? Oh man. Oh, thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. I'll I'll get in touch with you when I get back. Okay. Oh, nice. We got a little present. Scott. Marina life. I know, right? I absolutely love it. No, I um, we just I figure in the idea of having sort of a an unedited podcast we just keep stuff like that in it's great yeah no i kind of listened to uh <laughs> one of the podcasts last night uh oh with pax and amy we, yeah, we kept getting interrupted yeah, someone came by, and said, by the other aaron <laughs> yeah the other aaron i was like whoa was that me or <laughs> but you call me a aaron or aaron yeah Ron. yeah <laughs> well i've always thought aaron aaron's a cool name uh I, I i don't know i've always always liked that anybody named aaron i've always just been 
cool with. I don't know. It's yeah, a, some of them are, are chads, <laughs> but you know. Chads. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. See, now that would be the bad thing is to have a name that represents a certain thing. Like when I think of, of names like that, of, of people that are not cool, to say it really nicely, it would be like guys named Chet. Oh, Chet. Chet. Hey, hey, Chet, why don't you calm down over there? <laughs> and no offense to anybody named Chet, because it's actually, you know, I think any name is 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 all good. But what would you call it? A Chad? A Chad, yeah. That's what... <laughs> That's that's kind of a Reddit kind of reference if anyone that's on Reddit. But uh, I mean, there's also Karens too now. Oh, I know. Yeah. Well, and I and that that all came from Goodfellas, right? I don't know where that came from. I, I honestly don't. Um, it's the, the, the I guy's know it's wife very is Karen. For anyone named Karen, and I, I do have a friend know, named right? Karen. That's a pretty common name too. Yeah. I, well, I, it's funny. I had this friend back in uh, back when I went to church when I was like a kid. And I haven't seen this girl in probably 30 years, I guess. Hopefully she doesn't hear this. But And then she, like, reached out to me on Instagram. I was like, oh, hey, man, how's it going, you know? And, oh, I'm good. Um, You know, I lost my job. Can I borrow 20 bucks kind of thing? Like, oh, right no. off the bat, I was like, oh, man, you are a Karen, aren't you? <laughs> oh, no, but, I mean. I well, feel- at least you didn't beat around the bush, you know? Give, yeah. you some, give you some crazy, crazy lie. Yeah, that's true, but uh, because yeah, well, dude, we I I um, so you know we we for our listeners before we started this podcast, Aaron and I took a lovely stroll over to the local gas station, yep, to grab a beverage, which uh, you know it's delicious. I actually chose an oddball, some uh, Mike's hard, hard lemonade seltzer. 12-pack variety pack. What have you got? You got a Twisted Tea over yeah, there? Yeah, I got the weapon of choice for 2020. Oh, 2021. Oh. oh, was it? Okay. Or is it 2020? I think that video came out in 2020. It was somewhere around there. Yeah. Oh, the it was guy, like a viral video, the guy video, across right? the face with a Twisted Tea. Oh. Uh, if anyone hasn't seen that video, just just look up Twisted Tea and like... Viral uh, video. 7-Eleven. <laughs> you'll see probably one of the best videos. Oh, is that the one where he smacks him and it just... Expl- oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, one guy was like talking trash. This one guy, super drunk, and then like... Uh, yeah, he just got the crap knocked out. Yeah, that was right. pretty satisfying. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, so we went over, we did that, and uh, I forget where what, what exactly I, my point was. Oh, yeah, yeah. So normally I won't go to that gas station or any other gas station nearby here after about eight o'clock at night, because that's when sort of, uh, the zombies basically come out. (laughs) Um, you know, you, you've just got people that, that will, I, there's been times. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago I went to one, it was about eight 30. I figured "Ah, I'll be fine. I drove over real quick and, from the minute I got out, and there were no park, no cars in the parking lot, so I thought, okay, I'll go in, get out, piece of cake, and I get in there, and there's this old guy who's who's counting out pennies on the on the register, and he's obviously very either intoxicated or super high, uh, but he's he's wanting to get real close, and you know, I, I regardless, he's yeah, it's just sort of a bad scene. It's it's not something you want to uh, deal with, and, and you. Mostly because he's he's pretty pretty far gone at that point as far as his you know whatever drug he's been using so you don't want to be around it and then as I'm standing in line waiting for this thing to, transaction to go down another young zombie comes in <laughs> and I'm only saying that that word zombie because these are people who are on some sort of very powerful drugs and so they're they're sort of out of their minds but and he comes Still right running. up yeah. with his some sort of um, 
credit card looking thing and he wants me to buy whatever i'm buying oh he's selling food stamps (laughs) so yeah so that i can give him cash i didn't have any cash but he was on some sort of speed and everything but i'm getting sort of attacked on all these angles and then i go to get in the car after i'm finished and and literally like these guys the older guy sort of had a bum leg and i you know if i had cash i would have thrown it at them just to sort of give myself a little distance um and also you know helping because obviously they're they're not in a great place, but um, I, I like as I'm getting in my car, the old guy's like sort of slurring over to the car and he's pointing at me and he's looking at me and <laughs> he's dragging one leg behind him. And I, I, you know, I feel bad, but at the same time, they're coming out of the woodwork. And I didn't yeah. know. I mean, this, <laughs> this is not a story where I'm trying to judge people or, or I don't know. It was just I've never felt. I I literally felt like I was in the episode of Walking Dead. Yeah, I can I can totally picture that. And that was at eight thirty at night. Yeah, and you wouldn't really think about about that where we're at because it doesn't really feel like it's very much of a an urban area. But you know, I guess problems arise no matter what you know demographic or whatever you know geographic location you're in. Right, right. Because um, you know we kind of lived in an urban area for most of our lives. You know, Dallas Fort Worth area, and um, you know one thing. You know, it's one thing to give, you know, people money because, you know, they're going to buy booze, you know, they're going to buy meth or whatever. But one thing they won't buy is something for themselves that they absolutely need. Um, So we would actually make these little uh, kind of homeless care packages, I guess. Oh, nice. And what it is, it just, I mean, it's very simple because one thing that, you know, homeless people don't get, I mean, even whenever they go to homeless shelters, you know, people are donating jackets, clothes and everything. But one thing that they lack on is uh, socks. So if you can keep like, you know, oh, a few pairs of socks in your glove box kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and we throw in some stuff too, like, you know, maybe like a, a thing of like, you know, pecans or not pecans, uh, peanuts and maybe a Snickers kind of thing in there too. Yeah. That kind of thing will probably really benefit them more than, you know, the a dollar or whatever you're going to give them. Right, to, right, right. You know, go exactly. buy more alcohol. And uh, so that's what we kind of do with homeless people. And they're... they're Sometimes they're grateful. Sometimes they're, you know, like, what the hell is this kind of thing? <laughs> so you're you're coming into that situation packing freaking, you know, little little packages that are all good, nutritious. I'm literally trying to run away <laughs> and get away before I get bitten on the neck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think it's natural right. for humans to, you know, the zombie. be kind of uh, wary of, you know, laugh. things that are you know not familiar to them maybe, but. I can't well, say I've ever been homeless. Um, it's it's also, I mean, there's a reason that after eight I won't go because it's happened so many times. And usually the MO is just somebody walking up and then they give you some sort of complete bullshit story about, you know, they're trying, their mother is sick or this or that. And there have been times where uh, I would... I, if I have a few bucks in my pocket, I'll give it to somebody. It's not it's not an issue. I don't I don't have a lot of it, but if I've got some extra to spare, I mean I'm in there usually just buying some drinks or something like that. So who am I to to not share? But when somebody comes up and the first thing they say to me is an absolute blatant lie, it's just this this stream oh, that they've yeah. said. It's it's kinda like, Well, and, listen, dude, you, you just came up to me and you're just lying to me. Like, why am I gonna pay you for that? If somebody just came up and said, Man, I just really Oh, I want to. I need a forty so bad. I'd be like, "What kind do you want me to get you?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, honesty goes a long way. Thank ways. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a hard line to follow because you know we were, you know, in Dallas, one of the biggest things was you know they'll come to you with a gas can and be like, oh, I just ran out of gas. I just need a couple bucks for gas, or you know, make up some sob story. Yeah, yeah. And then you know if you give them a couple gallons of or a couple dollars of gas, they'll just go to the next person and then ask them the same thing. And it's just like, ah, oh, it it makes it so that. You don't want to help these people because you know it's a scam. Yeah, exactly. So. Nobody wants to be scammed. Nobody wants to be lied to, told yeah. some sort of story and all that. But yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, I think definitely that people would always want to help other people out. But I, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't even know how we got on this subject, but it is. It, yeah. <sighs> I mean, I think it's <sighs> an unnatural kind of thing to want to help fellow mankind. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But what's even more funny is that people will actually want to help, uh, you know, like dogs and stuff. And I, I, I love dogs. We got two dogs on board. But, um, you know, people watching a movie, for instance, they'll watch this movie where, you know, all these people are getting killed and the dog gets killed. Then that certainly is like, oh, my gosh, that's the point where, you know, you get emotion out of it. And once kids dogs never lie to you. That's dogs true, aren't, yeah. You know, they're they're there just, you know, there's. There's nothing sadder than than seeing an animal that's in, yeah. and and I think I think just every human being across the board would always try and, and help in any way, shape, or form they could, you know. Yeah, yeah. Gotta love dogs. Now I'm now I'm just picturing that in my head, you know, some <laughs> some stranded little animal. <laughs> oh man! So help your dogs, help your cats out there, people. If you ever see one, at least report it, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. If you um, see a dog in trouble and, you know, I've seen stray dogs and stuff and we'll take them to, you know, no kill shelters kind of thing versus just let them kind of roam around and stuff. Right, right, right. Um, well, because, I, yeah, I don't think animals, you know, I, I, I suppose some of them would enjoy living in the wild, the urban wild, you know, uh, but I, I kind of feel like most dogs that are have been domesticated over thousands of years. They pretty much just want somebody to provide food for them. Yeah. Um, you know, I've actually read that uh, dogs actually kind of mimic human emotions, uh, like facial emotions, uh, over a course of, you know, however many generations to kind of uh, get sympathy from humans. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, oh, like the puppy dog the eyes. The puppy dog face kind of thing. Um, but we love our dogs too. We have a dog named Puppy and Rudy. And yeah. Well, so okay, your your boat's is it thirty four feet? Thirty four feet. Yep. And so it's you and Carrie, and then you've got two dogs on there as well. Two wild beasts. And full grown <laughs> wild wolves. beasts. No, they're they're tiny dogs. One's they're great. A, one's almost like a, a circus, you know, freak. He's half Labrador, half Datsun. So it's kind of like a big lowrider labrador if you can think about that right right and, and it's it, it, that one puppy is like black yep super sweet oh yeah super sweet super emotional he, he they're both really good dogs um and then our other dogs are rat terror little uh rudy's his name yeah rudy's a rescue right yeah yeah he's he's our rescue dog he got burnt on his back when he was younger oh that's what the scar is gotcha yeah, gotcha yeah. and she's cute as or he's cute as can be i mean <laughs> just wants to to be petted like 99 percent of every dog just oh, like yeah. i just just pet me feels so good yeah and then they do definitely provide you know additional uh companionship because you know when you're on a boat uh i mean jerome i don't know if you ever had uh 
girlfriend or whatever. I have had yeah. a few girlfriends, not not many, but uh, yeah, I mean, have you ever had one like uh, live aboard with you? Uh, no. Uh, oh, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm, Mighty Sparrow is the she's my mitra. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, it's it's one of those things where I've I've been on the boat alone for so long that it's it's very hard to make permanent room for somebody else but uh, yeah I, I don't know i i've often thought that if if uh, i ever did get into a serious relationship again then i'd probably have to i'd probably have to part ways with this boat not oh, only no. the emotional connection <laughs> that we have but also just the the fact that it's small 32 feet is I, you could easily have a couple on board but it would have to be like a new boat because I'm so moved into every nook and cranny, I don't think I could. It, it would be hard yeah. to. Uh, it just doesn't. It, I don't think it would work out too well. So, long story short, I'd want like double size boat to then have a yeah. second person. That's where I was I'm going. So with used it. to being alone. You know, space. It doesn't matter. Like you know, like who you are. Two people on a plane of thirty-four feet will eventually get on each other's nerves to the point where you just have to have some some free space <laughs> right right yeah no for sure um I'm well you've fortunate. got you've got that nice cockpit on your boat with the full sort of enclosure so even like today where it's in the 40s it's raining all day pretty miserable i mean if you guys if you had your little heater out there yeah we, we do that a lot actually you can hang loose up there yeah yeah we we did that last night we put the little space heater out there and uh, with the windows and stuff, I mean, I was in, you know, my, I took my jacket off and just had my shirt on, my, my jeans. And, uh, you know, it's comfortable out there. Uh, <coughs> and that's that's kind of what's going with it. I mean, you, you have a boat that has the ability to have different rooms, too. Yeah. I'm trying to think about how many different spaces ours has. Like, we have the aft cabin and then the SETI and then the V berth, which, you know. That's three rooms inside, but then we also what we call it the cockpit was also our patio, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll hang it up there, you know, whenever once one of us needs to get out of each other's hair, and uh, it works. You know, it's 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 definitely you know if you are thinking about buying a boat and living with you know somebody, then you definitely need to have somebody that you can get along with enough that you're not going to just want to. You know, throw them overboard in right. the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> like every sickle. <laughs> yeah. Every little thing turns into a big argument. And I, you know, it's, that's, that's one of the perks of, you know, obviously being a solo sailor is that it's, it is, it's, it's your way always. So. Oh yeah. You get very used to that. But at the same time, it's really lonely too. I mean, there's, there's. And you want to experience where... things with other people. Like, I, mean, I actually read Drum's book, like in like less than 12 hours like i couldn't put it down like yep uh, chalk that up to just great writing i guess <laughs> it was it's very interesting <laughs> and like but i remember one part of the book you said that you wish that even though you're circumnavigating you're seeing all this stuff by yourself but like you wish you had someone to experience it with because i guess maybe in the end it's just you that gets to experience it outside of your readers of course right um but um yeah, yeah it is nice to have someone to experience it with even if it's with a dog you know they may not be able to fully comprehend, you know, everything that's going around them, but still, like, yeah, hey, yeah. look, look, puppy, look at that freaking well over there. And they look at it, they're like, what the heck, man? Like, no, it's true. Well, and I, I have, I, anytime, so in the, in the marina here, I mean, there's probably 
10 people that own dogs, something like that. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I'd say every other person probably has one. And I, I definitely get jealous, but at the same time, I realize that there's a lot of work. There's a lot of responsibility in that. There is, um, a lot of it has to do with, you know, cleaning up after them. Cause you know, they do shed a lot. Um, so we have a little like uh, a little vacuum or something. Yeah, a little you know wannabe Dyson kind of thing that we recharge and stuff and just vacuum every other day and stuff and it takes care of it. But you know another thing too is like whenever we were traveling on the ICW, you know a lot of times we would anchor out, but that also has a thing where I mean your dogs have to go out; they can't use the head. I mean, um, right, right. So we would have to dock near places that you know had you know some sort of landing or something that we could you know dingy ashore that we could. Well, I know some know. some people just they'll they'll the dogs area is up on the bow and they'll just do their yeah, business I, up there and then you know they sort of take a little shovel and scrape it off. Yeah, I guess that's true too. And they get the fake grass and stuff, but for whatever reason we cannot find fake grass. And some people say, "What's well, at Home Depot?" But every time we go to Home Depot, and we ask for it. You know, they're like, "Oh, we don't have that anymore." <laughs> no, like, oh, like astroturf yeah, sort of astro-turf, stuff, right? Right. You get trammed to. Uh, to go on that but well i you know but that's that's the thing i mean you get with with just about anything in life you you get these great benefits when you you get to have an animal on board and then you also there's there's drawbacks that sort of would be classified as inconveniences to your life i guess but i don't know i you know it's worth it i think yeah Yeah, because they offer really good you know companionship and yeah to be able to sit there and you know pet your dog and and also just have have your dog sitting there when you come in all excited you know nobody's excited when i get back on this boat oh yeah (laughs) i guess in some ways the because the boat rocks a little you know the mast wags so to speak so i can (laughs) i guess i could take that as something but it's pretty steady actually like you know honestly this feels more steady than our boat like i guess because that huge uh kill you yeah it probably weighs like three times as much as your boat too yeah i wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't doubt that yeah i mean that that's that's sort of the nice part with when it comes to modern boats that's why your boat's way faster than mine would be if we were if we were sailing together you would just take off i wouldn't see you again but you know if we got into a big storm i'd be picking you up probably out of the ocean uh (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) no well it it looks like it's actually a pretty decent hunter i mean i i always sort of give them a lot of crap because we've i i've had some experience with some of their smaller boats Mm -hmm. um and how how shockingly poor they were put together and such but um what were you saying because isn't there a story behind that that edition of the hunter where the the original designer or whatever got back into the company yeah i'll, I'll let so, you tell it um and i may i may be telling the story wrong i hope not but um <laughs> so the owner of hunter uh actually went out to like you know he, he made up his company and you know he actually wanted to sail so he left his company in the hands of you know i guess his seconds and stuff and while he was out for a few years, the quality of the boat just went really far down. Um, so he had to come back. And then he hired this other designer. I, I can't recall his name at the moment. But um, that's when he kind of redesigned things. Because if you look at, you know, right around the mid, uh, mid-90s, mid uh-huh. you see a total transformation of you know, how they did their boats and stuff. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, that's what the, you're having problems, too. Like, I don't know what what year it was that you were looking at that Hunter, but... Those boats would have been from... Like, late 80s were kind of... Um, well, these were only, like, 21-foot boats, mm. uh, but they would have been 
early 2000s, something like that. Oh, okay. I mean, they, they literally, we watch these boats just disintegrate. Really? Oh, everything just fall completely to pieces. Oh, wow. Well, ours has been pretty solid so far. I mean, um, and yours, yours don't have a lot of... The bigger ones are in a complete... I mean, these were little day sailor, you know, dinghy kind of boats. Yeah. We're talking about an actual, you know, liveaboard boat. So it's it's much different. I last yeah. thing I want is Hunter <laughs> Company <laughs> coming down on me. Because obviously <laughs> we've got to find an exam. There's another Hunter here in the... Uh, in the marina. Have you seen that one? Have you been on board? I haven't one? been on that one. Uh, I've been on one very similar to. I think that was a 41 foot. Um, yeah, that one looks huge. Yeah, they're they're more made like, you know, little mini condos inside. And you know, again, that that kind of, you know, was one of the things where you sacrifice sailability versus livability. Um Oh yeah, no, for sure. Um, unless you unless you're in just this crazy different realm where you're you're buying a boat for 10 million dollars cuz then you get you know the best of both worlds there, but you're also oh, yeah. on a hundred and something foot boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly, hundred fifty foot boat. That'd be nice. Yeah, uh, but no, it's um, you know we we've been on other boats. You know, I've sailed a few other boats, and you know each boat handles completely different. Um, and honestly, I really like the way that mine handles. It's actually very responsive. Um, I mean, I can. You know, turn around my own weight kind of thing. Uh, quit bragging. <laughs> I know you, you fin keelers can just zip yeah, around and we're, I'm over here trying to turn this thing. It's like, it's like the difference between a Ferrari and a, a school bus. Right. Right. On turning radius. But again, I, I would never ever take my boat around the world or even, I mean, I'm worried about taking it across to the Bahamas. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. No, it's true. Again, pros and cons, a lot of trade-offs. Yeah. A lot of trade-offs. Uh, and you know, it was one of the first boats that we uh, really considered too, because whenever you're you know looking at a boat and stuff like you have to think about the fact if you're going to uh, you know really blue water it or not. Yeah, and I think at that point we weren't really planning on you know taking it anywhere far. Like I think the Bahamas was kind of our our longest stint that you know we wanted to do. Uh, yeah, was that sort? I think of... Carrie wanted to go over to the French canals, but. It's like, ah, that's probably a bit far for that boat. <laughs> well, and, you know, I, I've always told people if, if there's some crazy destination like South Pacific or, you know, Croatia and the Med, something like that that they want to do, you it's way easier to get all your knowledge on your own boat and keep it where you're going to live. And then you can fly over there and just charter a boat. Oh, yeah, that's you a good get idea. A, you get a couple... Uh, people together and it, it cuts the cost of it down and then you know but it's it's having the knowledge of being able to to get in and out of marinas and anchor and sail around and all that stuff that yeah we're very you, know, green, you can gain that uh, when it comes to stuff like that uh we'll get there once once water, it warms water, up because I mean, you're gonna you're gonna head further south from here right uh that's kind of up in the air right now you know the way that we have traveled hasn't been anywhere near what we've seen other people. Like we see a lot of sailors that will, you know, they, they sail from point to point, you know, using every bit of daylight they can to get as far as they can South or whichever direction they're going. Right. And wake up another, you know, wake up at six thirty next morning and you know, leave at seven and Oof. do it all over again. Sounds exhausting. It does sound exhausting, <laughs> but you know, yes, they're getting to see, I guess, everything around them as they're going by. Yeah. I mean, these these also are pe- maybe people that, you know, have done the ICW a bunch 15 of, yeah, times right. or whatnot. Um, but for us, this is our first time, we will stop at, you know, different towns along the way. And then sometimes we just stay there for, you know, two weeks, 
a month and a half in, in New Bern. Um, and then now, you know, we've been here for a month and we're thinking about, you know, staying here till the end of, or sorry, say the beginning of hurricane season before maybe heading up north. Right. Um, oh, so, so you, you may not even go any further south than this. Well, yeah, that's what we're thinking. We're thinking about we may, you know, take like a few weeks or a month in the Bahamas. Yeah. Uh, maybe leaving at like, you know, the end of April and stuff and seeing the Bahamas for a month and then sailing back north and using the, the trade winds to, or Gulf Streams to go back up. Yeah. But, that's you know. some offshore sail in there. That's yeah. Good. That's good. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'd really like to do. Like, I, I, I love sailing, like I said again. Yeah. <laughs> I hate motor is the enemy. Yeah, I hate motoring. But, you know, when we're in the Chesapeake and stuff, that's where we sell the most. And, you know, probably one of the, I want to say the most scariest things. Um, but we intentionally put ourselves in, you know, a 35 knot uh, system. Yeah, left the docks in like thirty-five knots. Oh, <laughs> wow! Well, but it, you know, there there always is, and I I hear that a lot from people uh, that you know are sort of new to boating and stuff like that. That they they want to see what it's like, they want to experience, they want to know how they deal with it, and typically people get through it, and the, the reaction is almost always the same. Like, God, that was really uncomfortable, and after after the first hour of excitement, it it was just like boring and it, it wasn't fun and boy i don't want to do that again <laughs> well that wasn't really mine i actually really enjoyed it like maybe it's just the thrill seeker in me or something but um yeah i mean I, we were reefed in really well and yeah you know i made sure that you know our healing was basically down to uh 15 degrees or less yeah even in that situation but we were like booking it that's probably the fastest i ever got that put up to was about 8.5 knots nice um yeah, it's almost double what what old Sparrow does. So. Oh, but like this is a tank though. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> once once, the, once the this the one Kia starts going, there. it's hard to get her to stop. It takes a whole ocean to slow down. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, exactly. No. Uh, so that and that worked pretty well. I mean, you know, it it definitely is is something smart to do where you want to get out there because eventually you're going to be on some sort of small passage or something, and you're going to get those sort of conditions yeah that, and if you can do it in some sort of controlled or at least a way where you're not so far away from land where if things really start to go wrong and things start breaking you can at least get back you know yeah that's exactly what my philosophy was for it because you know i figured i'd want to do this voluntarily versus involuntarily yeah yeah and you know not know what to expect kind of thing but you know it, the boat surprisingly handled really well um you know even the the I mean, this could be all salesman talk, but the marina owner was like, yeah, it actually handled pretty well. Because the first time we actually took it out sailing was in about uh, about 25 to 35 knot gusts. Yeah. Um, and it was Which our is, sea trial. That's Yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot. That Anytime the winds are up in over 20 knots, things get pretty interesting on boats. And when you start breaking into the 30 knot range, it's like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Wow, there's a lot of power going on here. Yeah, he only pulled out the the uh, jib at that point, and uh, I'm pretty sure that he he tore up the leash line on it from just how much wind was on it. Cause actually, oh right, yeah, I had to mend that sail after you know I got some more experience and stuff. I was like, oh, this leash line's not looking right. <laughs> right, right, right. Wow. But um, yeah, sailing is an adventure, and you know I don't know if we'll be sailing for you know, the rest of our lives or anything like that. But you know, it's definitely something that 
you know, when I look back on my life, I'm going to be like, I'm glad that I did that. Yeah. Versus, you know, I'm glad that I only thought about that. And there are a lot of people that I know that, you know, they save up for retirement and want to have this dream of having a sailboat and, you know, doing circumnavigating maybe. I don't know. But, um, and then they aren't able to. I mean, people like, you know, work their whole lives until they're 65 and then they have this whole dream of being able to do something, but then they're not able to do it. So, you know, I figured that I would live life while I can and, um, you know, not have any regrets. Well, I, and it's it's such a common theme uh, with anybody that I meet, anybody that I talk to, and especially the people I have on the podcast that it it they always say you know you're never gonna have enough money saved up to feel like you can do one thing or the other, and you just have to pull the trigger and just go for it. And just because you sort of get rid of the job, get rid of the house, move on to a boat, doesn't mean like all the opportunities to to make a little money here or there, do this or that, disappear. If anything, now that you're mobile, you you can actually get to new opportunities easier because you can move your boat around. But I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I, you know, I I I I remember people asking me, you know, what was the scariest thing and and this and that. And to be honest, the scariest thing didn't even happen on the trip. The scariest thing was me sitting there thinking about what would it be like for me to be an old man you know all used up too many miles on the old chassis can't really do any stuff like hiking trails or sailing you know big trips and and wondering why I didn't just go for it why why did I trade basically my life to just chase you know some paycheck and and not experience life. Cause like you said, I mean, you can, you can have all these grand plans for when you retire and this and that, but guess what? A lot of stuff can happen in between now and then. And that, that little plan that you made that, that can disappear faster than you can, you can imagine. So, yeah, I mean, cancer can hit any of us, you know, kind of thing too. Like, you know, my brother just last year, he, he had quit smoking 10 years before and, out of nowhere, you know, he had some chest, you know, kind of problems and he went to the doctor and, you know, less than a year later, he's gone. Uh, so, you know, he had all these same, same kind of, you know, grand plans for, you know, what he wanted in life. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things or biggest mistakes people can make is that there will always be more time. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and I, I think a lot of that is just, it's, it's sort of been printed into our 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 brains since we're little kids i know i mean i'm i'm 42 years old so i grew up in the 80s and basically it was yeah you you go to school you hopefully go to college you get a job you get married there's just those steps that you take yeah and it seems like when you really pick it apart it's it's telling you to you know instead of Instead of going out and traveling the world with your backpack in your 20s, you should be trying to build up your experience so that in your 30s you can be working at some some place to earn as much money, maximize your profits. And then in your 40s, you're going to be in upper management, and that's where you're really going to cash in so that when you're in your 50s, and it's, it's this ongoing thing where – it's it's just this theme of of you need to just try and and make is have your bank account so big 
so that then you can do whatever you want. And that, that's the thing that always struck me was no matter what the story was, it was always the end goal was the same, like to, to be able to then do whatever you want. But right. you can do whatever you want from the age of 20 on. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, more or less. I mean, we're like you say, we're we're told what is going to make us happy. And then most people, you know, just, you know, they believe that. And for people that, you know, are happy with that, I, I really commend them. Like, that's great. I'm not trying to, you know, judge anyone for you know, no, their own aspirations. And, yeah, exactly. Um, and and but, two, I, I would say just real quick, it's that a lot of that imprinting, at least, mm-hmm. you know, when I was younger, was from, like, my parents. Yeah. Because that was, you know, where we're talking the baby boomer generation, and that's what they did, and everything worked out great. And so it was sort of like, well, you know, I've lived it. I know what I'm talking about. And and credit to them, they they definitely did. But uh, it doesn't doesn't mean that it's exactly what I don't know. I yeah. Sorry, I keep no, going. No, I interrupt you. No, you're right, man. Um, it's it's just like I said, it's just one of those things that we're what we're taught that we should do, and then you know, at some point or other, you know, if if you really think to yourself, you know, is that what I should do? I mean. I, is this, is that the, really what the natural life of any animal is to be in the structure of, you know, working for someone else to make this money that in the end for the material, sorry, <laughs> can we cut that out? Whoa, the old <laughs> twisted T's getting its grip on Aaron. Twisted T. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. We, we do not edit this podcast. <laughs> uh, what I was just saying is that, you know, like, we're we're told what we want and you know in the end i don't really think that's really the natural thing of the natural course of a human life or any animal on this planet is you know that um having to be in a structure of you know working for somebody to get materialistic things so that we could you know be happy and you know it's always kind of one of those things where you're supposed to have a you know, a nice house. You're supposed to have a BMW. That's going to make you happy, or have kids. That's going to make you happy. This to make you happy. Like, what makes you happy is what makes you happy. And I think yeah. that as part of you know our own, you know, obligation to ourselves is what we really need to think. You know, what's going to make us happy? Because, you know, you can't really be told what makes you happy. You have to find that on your own. Well, true, and because there's going to be some people who think the idea of living on a boat and having to deal with storms and anything like that sounds like the most miserable, scary thing because what makes them happy is to have a, a, a little house and know that, you know, they're out of the hurricane zone. They don't get tornadoes. So they live in a certain part of like the U S and, and that's, that's great. That's perfect. And then for other people, like, you know, you or me, it's, it's sort of, feeling like you've got that freedom to be able to to go anywhere do anything and and all that and that's the thing exactly what you're saying is that it's going to be different for everybody but we were all just sort of stamped with this idea for and and i i'm sure growing up right now at least from what i could tell people are stamped with this idea that they've got to make uh, they've got to have a passive income. They have to have a huge following on social media, and that's going to be their key to success. And but it's it's the same exact story told over again, where you've got to do all these things. Your focus, of your life has to be there, so that you're going to get to this point where all of a sudden 
you now can do whatever you want and it's it's the carrot in front of the donkey. Yeah, there you it's go. The carrot in front of the donkey. Like they're leading you down this, you know, path that you know they say is going to make you, you know, happy or not. But, um, and again, you know, to those people that you know are happy with that, great. That's great. Um, yeah. Hey. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. I won't hate on it, but it, yeah, it is hard to. It's it's hard when you see somebody that's obviously not happy doing it in in some sort of way. Like I was, I was terribly unhappy trying to get even just an associate's degree in college. It just, it was miserable. It was something I should have never even tried to do. And I get it that my parents were trying to instill this thing and, and, you know, for future and all that sort of stuff. But man, I just, it wasn't me at all. I would have been so much better off just getting, you know, into the workforce doing like a trade or something like that yeah, until I kind of thing. Yeah. Until yeah. I figured things out. And I mean, I spent a lot of time being a plumber, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. And that, that probably has still been the most beneficial education I've ever had because I have used just, just the, the knowledge of how a plumbing system works in a house or in a boat. I mean, there's, I can't tell you how many parties I've been to where all of a sudden, you know, Something goes wrong with the old toilet. Well, hey guys, don't worry about it. <laughs> I got you you got this, yeah. Pull the plunger. <laughs> well, up in I, I do remember up growing up in, in northern Michigan, you know, we in high school, one of the things we would do is a lot of times you, you'd have parties at people's like hunting cabins or you know, people have cabins way up in the woods. And so that was the only place we could go and drink and do whatever. And oh, yeah, it was super fun, but you'd be in the middle of winter, you'd get up to this place in the middle of nowhere, and they've had to drain all the pipes and do all that so it doesn't freeze, and I would get up there, and I remember definitely having to, you know, open up the water valves, and so the, the plumbing worked, and I, and I definitely, I drank for free on those nights. Oh, nice. So, that sounds fun. And you I didn't grew up drink in the 80s, much. too. Like, honestly, I wish I got to experience more of the 80s, because I was born in 83, so by the time you know, I was seven. We're you know, in the nineties, but oh, right, um, right, right. Yeah, it's Eddie seems like a really cool. Decade. You missed it. The, yeah. the glory days, the Pistons, man. When they won the, uh, they won the eighty-eight. I think they won eighty-eight and eighty-nine. Oh yeah, championship. The bad boys. I wouldn't know. It's a I great was like time five for years Michigan old at that point. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, and I'm not. I'm not that much uh, older. I mean, really, I was born in seventy-nine. Okay, yeah. um, but you know, so by the time I was I was eight nine years old, yeah, the eighties were winding down. But the eighties sort of carried over into the nineties for a good little while. It wasn't until I I would say the eighties didn't really die out until almost like ninety five. That was when yeah, fashion really took a big change. Yeah, they got this and, Shasta kind of splash stuff. That's what I kind of like that about our book because it's a ninety eight and. Some of the like curtains and stuff in there are just like horrific looking like, you know, splashes of the nineties, kinda of like, you know, the nineteen ninety six school book cover or school oh, book yearbook. Oh photos. yeah. Trapper keepers. <laughs> yeah, man. trapper keepers kind oh. of thing. And I was about, laser beams, planets, orbs. Yeah. I was thinking about, <laughs> you know, changing out the stuff. I was like, you know, it kind of gives a character. I mean, like this boat's what nineteen sixty-eight. You said uh, seventy. I think it's a 74, oh, 74, 74. Or seventy-five. Yeah. I mean, this boat has character, but it doesn't have. It, I mean, it, it doesn't really have a lot of the original anything. These boats were most west sails. When you get on them, 
it's like a cave because it's all wood. like all wood everywhere. Okay. So the ceiling, everything is just is just dark, dark brown, and it looks cool. But you know, at least this one, I only have three portholes that that aren't curtained basically, and that lets in more than enough light to light the whole place. I don't have to turn anything on. Right. A normal west sail though. You basically have to have like because every every surface is just sucking away all the light and yeah it kind of feels like a cave. Yeah, and I really like the whole like lighting around your boat too. Like I want to do that eventually. Like the LED lighting that's like a recessed. Oh um, yeah. Oh, yeah, like under really the handrails. I, I really like that. Well, and it, it, all it is is it's the nice part is on this is it's got like a little sticky back thing, so you can yeah. stick it in there and. Believe it or not, that lasted even when I was going out to sea and my hands are salty and wet and everything and, and you know, it's it's getting on there. What happens is underneath each porthole where it drips down a little bit uh, from condensation is the LEDs will, will permanently go to, like, red or something. And oh, so no. they're, it'll be like, kind of like a Christmas tree pattern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. It's, you know, it, it is. I, I've tried to make this boat being more... I guess I guess I'm more live aboard than I am adventurer, at least for the last the last few months. Um, but it, it's I don't know. You, that's a cool part about these boats is you can make them into your own little home, and you know, hence all the decorations and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, obviously I got a lot of screw holes. <laughs> if I take all this down, I got to get the uh, the putty out. But, oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, you got to secure it cuz I like to be able to when I'm sailing, I like it to still be this way even though everything's lurching up and down and you know all that, but I don't know, it's cool, man. I I one of these days I'll have to check out the uh the old Hunter. Yeah. See yeah. that, you know. Yeah. It's it, that's sort of a funny thing. I don't know if you, you want to <laughs> Well, let's hear it. <laughs> well, it's just how um I I've I've experienced that with with plenty of boat owners where know the person for a long time, months and months in the marina, and everything's great. But without a doubt, you realize that you are never going to be invited onto their boat. Because oh, no, man. In, well, and I'm not saying this is you, but I, I know a few other people around here that it, it's a boat can be like a super personal thing. Like you wouldn't. You wouldn't just invite somebody into your bedroom. I feel like I feel like a boat sometimes, especially a small boat uh, right. for a liveaboard, is basically just like one big bedroom. They are kind of. I mean, they're not. There's not a lot of real estate in a boat as you would a house. Um, now, there's a lot of the same features that you do get in a house. I mean, you do have a kitchen. You do have you know a bathroom, a bedroom, and you know hopefully a, you know like a second bedroom kind of thing too. But. Um, it's still very, very condensed. It's almost like those tiny homes that were kind of popular. Yeah, yeah, back yeah. kind of thing. Um, but no, I mean, I think the only reason why we haven't invited one in recently is just because we haven't done the dishes yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's honestly, no, that, that's totally true, too. And I'm not trying to get on you about it by any means. But yeah, I mean, it's, if I know people are going to come by the boat, then you obviously like I do a little yeah. cleanup. And I, I like to keep this boat um at least put away i i won't ever say mighty sparrow super clean because that that involved getting rid of all the mold and all that sort of stuff and that's just a battle all on its own but i i do like to put things where they're because i i constantly i think the amount of time that i've spent out at sea where everything has to be in its place the old saying is you know a a place for everything and everything in its place because 
in an emergency, you have to know exactly where everything is. And so very true. Yeah. I've sort of just gotten into that, that mind frame of, or that mindset where, okay, everything I got to keep it. Cause there's, dude, I remember one time the engine was overheating, trying to motor. I don't know where I was probably just halfway down the coast or whatever. And I couldn't find the impellers to replace it and get things going again. And I was searching for like an hour and a half and, it's just one of those things where if it was an actual emergency and the boat was sinking and I was looking for like a spare bilge pump, then I really would have been in trouble. So, yeah, know. it's it's important to know where the stuff is on your boat. Um, like we generally keep our stuff kind of stowed under our bed, like the emergency kind of stuff. Yeah. Our spares and stuff like that, which actually have come in handy. Um, going back to, you know, you have to be your own mechanic. Um, just on this little short stint of, you know, coming down from Virginia to here. Um, you know, we've actually had to do like three or four engine repairs, nothing really major, you know, belts. I had to replace the alternator, uh, the little siphon kind of thing where the raw water comes in. Yeah. One of those little fittings broke and it was spraying seawater all over the engine. (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that sounds like, yeah, all pretty, pretty normal issues you find with, with boats. I mean, you know, nothing major, major, um, I mean, our boat too. I, it was probably mostly like kept either in a marina. I know for a fact that it was on shore for like six years, which isn't really, I guess, good for a boat, especially a like diesel engine, because um, diesels like to be ran. Oh yeah, at least every once in a while. It just keeps them lubricated. Yeah, more than exactly. Um, but the engine only has, or when we bought it, it only had two hundred and eighteen hours on it. And, oh wow yeah and it was like you know a 20 year old boat <laughs> yeah 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 um, and that's without it ever being rebuilt because i know when they rebuild them they'll crank the odometer or the timer back oh you know um i don't think so um wow so that's I, yeah it hasn't had much use at all that's great it's hard to it's hard to say with engines because you know they can always respray the outside but i mean it looked pretty right you know, far as you know layman's terms goes <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i mean well and that's because they always boat engines are always painted some color mine's blue i'm sure is yours gray or red yeah, yeah, or, gray okay yeah. yeah and engines heat up enough where you know there's always some areas where the paint just flakes right off and then yeah it obviously starts to rust i mean i used to just end up I, and I still do is I'll, I'll just spray the whole thing down with the WD 40 and, and then wipe it clean and everything. I mean, I'm never, I, on the big trip, there was something in my cockpit that was leaking. So every time a big wave filled the cockpit up, I would have salt water pouring directly on the engine and there was nothing I could do about it. Cause I didn't have enough fresh water to yeah, actually rinse it. Yeah. And, I read that. I was like, Holy crap. What do you do in that situation? Yeah. Well, when I got back, I did a lot of sanding and painting of uh, oh, a lot of parts on the engine. So yeah, <laughs> that anti-rust paint, but yeah, no, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's, it, it is kind of cool though that, and that's one thing I, I really like about diesel engines is that they, for as complicated as they are, they're very simple mechanical devices. And if you have belts, I mean, on this boat, I have belts, oil and fuel filters i have a spare alternator i have a spare starter and i have some spare hoses and that's pretty much gonna make it so that i can fix just about anything i mean i'd like to have you could go down the list and be like well you gotta have some injectors you gotta have this that and the other thing but 
don't know. Then you have a whole new spirit. Yeah, you might as well just have a second <laughs> engine. I've always said if you if you really want to be prepared to go to sea, just make sure you tow an identical boat behind you. Right. <laughs> that way, when everything goes wrong on this right. boat, you can just get on that one. So, yeah. I don't know. I had to replace the, you know, my, my biggest trouble I've had with that engine so far uh, recently, I guess, was was finding the oil level like quadrupled. And oh. yeah, basically I was getting fuel in the oil. And long story short, it was just this little pump that I had to replace. It was somehow leaking in there. And uh, I replaced the pump, thinking I'm all good, running the engine smooth, feeling feeling like the man. And then uh, I think it was like two days later, I looked, and all of a sudden in the bilge, there's a whole bunch of diesel fuel. Oh, and no. The actual pump hadn't been put together very well, so it was sort of loose. And the whole time, it was just dripping diesel right oh, down. Man. <laughs> was, That's oh, terrible. Man. I, mean, I guess it's good that you know diesel has some sort of uh, lubricity. Is that a word? <laughs> yeah. If if you're gonna get anything into your oil, I mean, obviously the, the worst thing you can find in your oil is bits of metal. I think the second worst would be salt water, and yeah. then diesel. I mean, technically, some people have talked about if you want to clean your engine out really well, you actually empty all the oil out, put diesel in it, and I'm not recommending that people do this, but uh, and I've never done it myself, but you can fill it fill it up with diesel where you know the oil would be run that for like a minute and then you get all the diesel out and it's a a great way to clean clean the engine out then you put oil in again not recommending that uh i've only been told that by uh, a handful of mechanics but huh that's interesting i i i did one of those things on one of my old cars before it's like a you know one of those uh treatments where you pour down the oil uh, you pour like some kind of treatment into the oil. Uh, oh field, yeah, yeah. And it's supposed to like clean it out. I've but always ran, been. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. What I ran into a problem was that after I did that and you know, cleaned everything out, probably the gunk that was in there was keeping the seals <laughs> sealed. Right, right, so right. When I when I cleaned it all out, then I started having you know actual oil leaks. But um, I have I have never had any sort of good luck whether it's this engine or a car or just a small boat engine or something any of those stupid additive things yeah. outside of bioguard and stable which is just for you know diesel and gas to try and basically make the fuel better right. or, or at least not contaminate cuz cuz you get algae and and growth inside of diesel fuel believe it or not but Anytime you get one of the things that says like you know, engine boost, fuel boost, putting that stuff in, oh my, it's like instantly within within a couple of days the engine's now acting up, and I've caused oh, yeah. a serious problem. Yeah, uh, it's one of those things where you have to kind of weigh the pros and cons of this stuff because it's supposed to you know clean stuff, but then a lot of times you'll make it have other issues either with the injectors because I mean too much of the fuel injector cleaner can damage the fuel injectors right right yeah, yeah. it's kind of like toying with something you don't want to toy with if it's yeah. i've always said if it's not broken do not try and fix it you yeah know, there's there really that's that's such a great saying that is not my own obviously but <laughs> well uh hey so uh i guess we're 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 well past an hour now i feel like we could just sit here and keep chatting yeah um, i mean I, I can you know talk to you guys all or talk to you all day because it's just you know just boats. So stuff. much stuff to like talk about with boats. And- well, let me. So I guess can you give us like one of your one of your biggest high points so far of of being on the boat, whether it's some place you stayed or 
Anything, something that, yeah. that basically um, you, you'll never forget so far. You know, one of our, kind of, it might be a tie between our first solo sale that we didn't have anyone else on board with us. And just oh, one morning yeah. waking up at like 530 in the morning and, you know, leaving the marina and catching the sunrise come up. Like, I mean, you've, you've seen countless sunrises, but for us, that was kind of like one of those like, holy crap, this is such a beautiful view. Because, I mean, you can see you know the sun rising over the ocean just by going out to the beach but to be actually in the ocean or in this case the chesapeake <laughs> yeah yeah that was just one of the most like beautiful moments and that's, that's actually on our uh, instagram too anyone that's listened out long enough i'll do a little plug <laughs> oh yeah no hey let's do that right now so we don't forget uh if if people want to be able to follow sort of your you and carry your adventure how how can they find it it's on instagram it said uh s v kaimana which kaimana is spelled k-a-i-m-a-n-a and uh our, our name is actually hawaiian name which means uh sea energy basically in uh, hawaiian so that's oh, nice. kind of a fitting of the of the boat we have a little sea goddess that kind of protects us you know on that's little decal kind of thing oh, so it's oh on the de- I, I think you're gonna talk about like rudy or something like no no have you up seen on the, the bell the, the little uh you've probably seen it, the 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 wave and the, the oh girl coming out. yeah 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 that's our little sea goddess protector very the, nice on the bow and the stern <laughs> oh very cool yeah. and and then can they also does she does carrie put stuff on tiktok as well she does um but to be honest, I don't know what that is. Maybe we'll have to link it. And we actually have recorded enough stuff for a YouTube uh, channel. Um, but I think we're kind of collecting that all up to make kind of a, a cache of things. Because yeah, one thing with YouTube is you know you have to have content that comes out constantly, um, at least every week. Yeah, because I I mean it's essentially taking over um, you know network television where mm-hmm. yeah you you know I. I that system of, of having your favorite sitcom come out once a week, that's that's pretty ingrained in people's brains. So, you know, as much as people want to binge watch stuff, and they can on YouTube, because you always want to start with you know, 10, 15 videos. But, yeah, yeah you got to have something coming out each week. I mean, I the stuff that I put on there is just it's it's basically just clips because I'm I hate editing. I don't want to do it. And it's it's more for people who have asked me to put stuff on there. But when you can actually produce a nice 20 minute episode of your experience going from here to there or what's going on, I think those are great. I mean, and you can learn so much. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I mean, I used to work in marketing and stuff and, you know, doing storyboards for videography and stuff is like just making a 15 minute video that takes like. 10 hours at least actually oh yeah yeah Yeah. i mean on top of you know actually recording the stuff is you know putting all this stuff in you know final cut and stuff and uh i mean there's so many avenues that you have to like you know make sure that you're doing right your audio has to be right your video has to be right your framing has to be right um yeah there's music you got to cut in also i mean it's it's a to me that's just like a nightmare i i don't i i I'd rather sit down and write a book <laughs> <laughs> or a podcast. <laughs> then, hey, well, and that's why I really, I, the podcasting stuff, one, is just a great excuse to sit down and talk to people one on one about why they're doing what they're doing. And, and, all, and I'm really enjoying being able to do that. Two, yeah, it's, I guess, born out of laziness because I don't, I don't edit this thing. All I do is throw a little intro on it and maybe a, a thing at the end, but, I can upload this. I'll have this uploaded tonight. 
Oh, right on. Yeah, it's super easy. And yeah, it's I very don't know. fluid, too. I mean, you know, I honestly came into this thinking that, okay, I need to. I asked you, like, last night. Yeah, where are your notes? Come on, my, bud. Uh, my pre-interview. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you're going to go on a talk show or whatever. But no, no. I, well, and that is that is sort of funny. I mean, everybody says it. They they say they're they're really nervous. No matter how long I've known them for, they're, they're whoa, I, okay, what am I going to say? And then <laughs> typically within about two minutes, I think they realize that, yeah, all they got to do is sit down and, and we're just going to. We're just gonna have a conversation. It's, yeah. it's, I don't know. It's, it's pretty good. So shoot the crap and just, uh, yeah. That's right. Well, I, you know, I, I, I can't uh, thank you enough for coming on the podcast, and obviously love having you as a neighbor. Um, yeah, Jerome, man, it's it's always been fun, and I'm like I said after reading your book and stuff, like I've found new found respect for you and your boat, but then now like talking to you about sailing stuff, I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm like, it's newbie, like talking to, you know, this like, nah, of sailing. <laughs> I, I, that's, and that's one thing that I, I know it's, it's sort of detrimental when I'm doing, you know, presentations or, or being interviewed about my trip. I, I definitely don't see it as some monumental feat or anything like that. As much as people want me to project that, I, I very never humble. want to brag about yeah. any of that stuff. I, and I, you know, there's probably sometimes where I probably should, but uh, I don't know. I just, I, I, I've never like, I, I always, one of the, the things I've hated more than anything in the sailing world is you typically get a lot of blowhards who are just like, oh, yeah, yeah I have done it. <laughs> oh, look at me. And I just, when people, when people start coming in with these, these stories of surviving storms and stuff and, their heroic efforts i i literally shut down and just i just want to walk away yeah so. and honestly the people that i've met like that thus far have been completely inept to control their boat like <laughs> <laughs> this guy that was in the marine the other day he's like oh yeah i've been sailing blah 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 and i got this big old motor yacht and i was, I was telling him something you know, well how are you gonna back out of here i said you're gonna use a spring line because uh, uh he uses prop walks and you know pull him out this way. Yeah. No, I'm just going back up that way and take off. Okay, man. And then the next morning, I I wake up and I hear this, you know, like motor sounding, you know, just back and forth. Oh, the bow. He's up against yeah. the freaking uh, uh, ramp. Oh yeah, <laughs> just grounded, almost pretty much on the ground. It's like 45 foot motor yacht. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. I had to pull him out, but yeah. Now I tend to be. Just that. <laughs> well, and that's I think I think that's a great thing to end on is that if you if you do find yourself on a boat, there's there's no there's no award for doing something uh, the hard way and and pulling it off. It's always yeah. better to ask for help and oh, yeah. assistance and and try and make life as easy on you as possible. I mean, I I saw there was a guy who came in, uh, obviously very experienced. He must have been uh, paid captain or something on the small boat and he came in when the current was running super hard the wind was up and there was i think there was an empty spot on the end of the tee but it was going to be cheaper for him to be in the slip next to us and he came thundering in here because it was so windy and the current and everything and you know i mean we're talking revving his engine just to be able to position the boat right and he's going fast and he has to do that but at the same time, all I'm thinking is, boy, if that engine just quit on you when you switch gears, you would just plow into this other boat. Yeah. And typically, if people if people sort of 
go at docking and stuff like that in that manner. It's only a matter of time before that does actually happen and the price tag is astronomical. Oh, or, yeah. or somebody gets hurt, you know, any right. of that stuff. So. Right. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Always ask for help. It's always <laughs> there. People love making sure that uh, you get out of the slip easy and uh, get on your way safe. Yeah, sailors take care of one another. Just like yesterday, you were cranking up your engine. And then Carrie said, yeah, I think he was one to flip his uh, boat around. Oh, yeah, so you came right out. I was like, hey, man, let me help you move your boat around. No, I'm just I'm just uh, cranking it over. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> yep, just getting that lubricated. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, well, Aaron, thank you very much for coming on. And, uh, yeah, it's I, been a pleasure. I'm definitely hoping to uh, to get Carrie in here for another podcast as well, see what the other side is. So yeah, hopefully you've been <laughs> 100% honest and uh, we're not going to hear horror stories. stories. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah and once again you can you can follow their trip on instagram at uh sailing vessel or sv kaimana k-i-m-a-n-a and then just look for them do you have a youtube channel right now not yet um we did do like one video that was you know not listed yeah um uh, do you have ability to like put it up on like your uh like a, a like a tag, I guess, on your yeah. Spotify I can or? I can put some links in okay. the uh, description on the Podbean thing. So cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get all that, and then I'll I'll probably try and take a picture of the the boat and everything because I do want to post this up tonight if I can. But uh, okay, we shall see. All right, cool. brother. Thank you so much, it's and been a pleasure. Uh, safe sailing. You too. <laughs>